Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Learning with the Lion, a community read-through of the Gospel of Mark. Over the summer of 2023, members of the Ligonier community are coming together to walk through a 13-week exploration of Jesus' life, practicing reading the Bible together and asking what it means for everyday life. For more information, visit epiphanyligonier.org mark, where you can also sign up for our companion e-newsletter. As we're going through the Gospel of Mark this summer, this is the first time we encounter the Pharisees, Jesus' famous theological and political sparring opponents. And, well, I just don't think you can have a conversation about the Pharisees without talking about the Reverend Sean Moore. Sean Moore. Do you know the Reverend Sean Moore? Of course you do. And you also know about Kevin Bacon and Kenny Loggins and John Lithgow. I'm talking about the 1984 cinematic classic that is the epitome of the cultural commentary on Pharisees, Footloose. Footloose. Soon you can kick off your Sunday shoes. (laughs) If you haven't seen the movie, here's the basics. There's a young Chicago kid. His name is Ren, and he moves in with his aunt and his uncle into a small town. There he discovers that the town has banned not just alcohol and, and, and other drugs, but they've also banned rock and roll music and dancing. And he discovers that the the force behind this great ban is the church led by the minister, the Reverend Shaw Moore. He and his congregation were the leaders in having dancing and music banned in their town. But as the movie progresses, you discover the the, the story is much more complex than that because this rules-loving pastor is really struggling with his daughter because he keeps making oppressive and restrictive rules for her, and she keeps pushing back and rebelling. We discover that the rules that he has, they haven't made the town any safer. In a famous scene, teenagers are driving headlong at each other in a race called Chicken, where they're heading at each other together front to front, and the first person to pull off to the side loses. They still flirt, they still get into fights, they still have moments of hanky-panky together, They still find ways to flirt with danger. These rules haven't stopped that. And more importantly, we discover the real reason that Shaw Moore, the the, the pastor of this town, the real reason behind all of it is the death of his son. The minister's son was killed in a car crash, and he was returning home from a dance that night, and he was drunk and driving behind the wheel, and he crashed and killed himself. And the rest of the movie you see is a reflection on this reality. Human nature is, is to believe that more rules will make us safe, that more rules will give us direction, that more rules will keep others in line as well. And this is where, ironically, given the religious nature of the movie, this is where the Bible and Footloose actually agree on that more rules actually don't make us necessarily safer It actually can be um, completely ineffective at that task. Not only this, but the rules, when the rules are amped up and piled upon people, it doesn't inspire obedience, it inspires rebellion. And people will continue to, to rail against rules, no matter what those rules are. And the more rules that there are, the more people will rail against them. 
This is a hard lesson the Bible teaches. It is a hard lesson to ingest, but it's part of the lesson that Jesus has for the scribes and the Pharisees this morning. We're continuing on through the Gospel of Mark, of course, and there's three parts to every week, right? So some of you have listened to the podcast already, and you know more about um, the Pharisees and their history, and some of you have read the email, and you, you know some of the overarching themes of what's going on, that our reading today is five back-to-back moments uh, of, of Jesus being uh, challenged by the religious authorities or challenged by the prevailing religious assumptions. And when Jesus is challenged by these religious assumptions, he comes back and and corrects them and says, you're misunderstanding the point of it all. Um, And in these five challenges, we see that Mark wants us to to expand our understanding of Jesus' authority. We know that Jesus already in the Gospel of Mark has gone toe-to-toe with Satan, that God has blessed him and said, you are my son, that he's the prophet Isaiah foretold, the great figure who had come to redeem Israel. We know that Jesus now has this authority to forgive, to forgive sins, just like God does, to pronounce the proper interpretations of the law of Moses. Jesus says in our reading, he is indeed the Lord of the Sabbath. And by the end of the reading, we will see that Jesus is not subject to the oversight of the Pharisees. He's the big boss, and Mark wants us to see that in this text as he claims authority over an ever-expanding list of things that first-century Jewish people experienced. But the part of, the reason we group these five little stories together, they're sort of five pearls on a, on a longer string necklace, why these five are grouped together is because Jesus is very concerned about correcting the extra rules that the people had taken on themselves. Jesus does things differently than the people of his time, and it upsets the spiritual apple cart of the age. At no point in our reading does Jesus actually violate a law of Moses. At no point in our reading does Jesus do something against Moses' law, as outlined in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, Numbers. He doesn't break any of those rules, but he does challenge the the interpretations of those rules in that day. And on the one hand, the people are amazed. They hear freedom. Sinners come back to God in a way that they haven't before. But on the other hand, you see people uh, reject Jesus. And it's, again, remarkable that we're only three chapters into the Gospel of Mark, and people are already plotting to kill him. So what's going on in our reading? What's these extra rules? What, what's going on in our text? What rules are people getting upset about? I'd like, to give, I'd like to call this term to help us understand it. I'd like to call it the fence. They're upset about the fence. I'm going to explain what the fence is right now. Um, much like the, the, the Reverend Shaw and Footloose, the Pharisees are a group of individuals that have been dealing with trauma and hardship from their past. What they've come to believe, what the Pharisees have come to believe, is that if they disobey the law of Moses, then God will will come in and bring a foreign nation to punish them and to kick them out of their land. It happened once. They don't want it to happen again. And so what they do is they're so afraid of, of, of getting kicked out. They're so afraid of God's wrath. They want God to come and bless the people. And so they say, we're going to double down on the law. We're going to double down on it. All the rules that you see on, in the Old Testament, we're, we're not only going to do those rules, 
but what we're going to do is we're going to create a fence around them. He actually used that language. We're to create extra rules to define what God's rules actually mean so that if you follow these man-made rules, you won't accidentally break God's rules. Rules, rules, rules with the Pharisees all over the place. And they, they, they say, we have to, have to, have to follow these rules. It's so important that we follow these rules because what's at stake? Our lives, our national welfare, our national security, all of it is at risk if we don't follow these rules. Here's an example of a, of a fence rule that the Pharisees give. We can read about it later on in Scripture. God's law says to tithe in the harvest season 10% of your harvest. So you take 10% of your harvest and you donate it at the temple and give it to God's work and God's people, the priests, and um, that's your offering, 10% of your harvest. Well, the Pharisees say, well, what about our backyard herb garden, right? Because that's technically something we grow and we kind of farm and we're growing things to eat, right? You know, basil and, and coriander and rosemary, you know, spices. The Pharisees say, you know what, just to be safe, Whenever we pluck, right, the, the basil off of our, our basil plant or the, the, um, the, the rosemary sprigs, we're going to tithe 10% of that too. And so they show up at the temple to tithe, and they have this little thing full of, it's not really even enough spices, I would imagine, to like, you know, get a good steak out of it. But they're going to tithe it anyway to show that they're following the rules. That's an example of a fence that the Pharisees put together. Here's, here's a second fence that they put together. Um, God's law says to rest on the Sabbath. Well, um, God's law says don't hunt on the Sabbath. We have a text from the time where one rabbi told his followers, he said that um, the Pharisees said, don't even swat a fly on the Sabbath because you're killing an animal. That could be considered hunting, and we don't hunt on the Sabbath. I almost, right down there, there was a fly, and I said to myself, I'm not going to swat at it. Because I'm such a holy guy. No, I'm kidding. But, but the point is, right, that was how they interpreted the rules. They said, we're so afraid of breaking this rule of not hunting, we're not even going to kill a fly. One more to, to give you. Uh, I think this one sort of sums it all up. Um, there are lots of rules in Israel uh, in the law of Moses about washing your hands. Well, the Pharisees said, don't just wash your hands. Wash up to your elbows. Like all of it. Elbows down. So you, you get what the Pharisees were trying to do. They said, listen, we want to follow God's rules, so we're going to go as hard as we can, and, and, and we're going to do this because everything about what we love about our people, our culture, our heritage, our livelihood, our nation, it's at stake. If we don't follow these rules, bad things are going to happen. The Bible has a, a few names for this, by the way. If you ever hear um, Jesus or the disciples talk about the oral tradition, um, these were rules that were passed down orally from person to person. They weren't written down on stone tablets like the law of Moses, right? They called those the written law. This was the oral law or oral traditions. Um, maybe you've heard the term the Mishnah, um, spoken by some Jewish coworkers or friends or something like that. The Mishnah, even today, is when the, the rabbis of the, in the first century, they took everything that was oral and they wrote it down. They called it the Mishnah. And even today, you have these various rules, these interpretations and expansions upon the law of Moses that are meant to help the Jewish people follow God even more. Um, but living under the fence can be exhausting because, you know, it sounds a lot like footloose, right? What do we want? We want the kids to be safe. 
We want the kids to be safe. We want them to refrain from hanky-panky. We want them to say no to drugs. We want them to come to church every week. But instead of teaching the kids the, the, the responsibility they have and modeling the dangers of the world, modeling forgiveness for them when they mess up and when they fail, we're just going to ban rock music and dancing. That should take care of it, right? It's that same sort of mindset with the Pharisees. More rules kept people safe. It kept God from being angry. Um, the Bible does, has, um, it talks about fence laws, but that doesn't mean fence laws are exclusively in the Bible. We have these fence laws in our own time, too. Christians are really good at this, by the way, right? What do they do? Um, the Bible is very clear. What does the Bible say? It says, don't drink so much booze that you lose control of yourself, that you, you succumb to the influence of alcohol. Um, and so some Christians are like, I know, I just won't drink at all. That way I don't have to worry about it. Right? That's a fence law. Um, other Christians will say something like, um, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. So I'm not going to gamble, I'm not going to play cards. There's no prohibition specifically in scripture about not gambling. But Christians will say, I don't want to love money, I don't want to touch it, it's dangerous, so I'm just not going to gamble at all. Bible says that lust is bad. We've talked about this before, that famous Billy Graham rule, right? There's no rule in the Bible about this, but many Christians say, I'm not going to be in a room or a place where it's just me and a person of the opposite sex. If I'm, if, if, it's, if I'm meeting with someone from the opposite sex, I'm going to do it in public. I'm going to do it somewhere where everyone can see, because if I can do that, then there's a whole host of other things that won't happen. It's not a rule of scripture, but it's a rule that many Christians follow. But this is a secular phenomenon too, isn't it? Right? Research says that the Mediterranean diet is the healthiest diet. So, you know, we're going to ditch ice cream and we're going to ditch, you know, spaghetti. We're going to ditch carbs because I want to be healthy. And if I just follow these rules about the Mediterranean diet, then I will be healthy all over. Or maybe you're familiar with this one. You know, at my firm, it's looked down by the partners while employees take time off to go on vacation. And if you want to, you know, get raised in the ranks in your firm or wherever your workplace is, you're like, well, if that's the case, I just won't go on vacation. I just, I'll go home on the weekends, but I'll still work. And I'll take time off maybe for Christmas, but um, I just won't go on vacation. Some people are, they'll say, you know what? People online, they get their credit card information stolen. Um, I, uh, I, if, but you know what? It won't affect me if I, I don't shop online. So we have these fence laws in our lives, things that are, are rules that we put up to safeguard ourselves that aren't really, uh, they're rules, but they're not really rules. They're not God's rules anyway. And these fence laws are what the Pharisees traffic in. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll share this with you. Just I've got skin in this game, too, right? This isn't the, the pastors involved in this, too. I was talking with someone in the church here recently about financial matters, and I, I shared with them. I said, yeah, I, I don't have a credit card. I only use a debit card. And their jaw hit the floor, and their eyes went like, huh? And they're like, you don't have a credit card, Brian? I said, yeah, I don't. And he goes, well, what, what do you do for emergencies? What about cash back or airline miles? <laughs> you know, what, what, you know, all these financial opportunities that you're missing. And I said, yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. But um, you ever hear about those people who run up credit card debt so bad, they get into a lot of trouble? I said, that, that would be me. <laughs> I, I know that about myself. So just, I, I don't, I have a fence law. I, I, I don't get a credit card. That way I don't get swamped in credit card debt. And, um, you know, the point is not about my lack of credit cards here. The point is to observe the fact that we, this is a very common thing. This is the way that people operate. 
And sometimes maybe there's wisdom behind it, right? Um, recovering alcoholics, it's like, I just can't go near alcohol right now. Maybe one day I can, but, you know, I'm trying to stay sober. I'm not going near a bar. Gambling addicts, you know, I'm not setting foot in that casino. A person with the heart surgery and you've got to eat healthy now, so it's like, okay, well, no more fast food restaurants for me. <laughs> Even if they have fish, I'm not going to eat fast food restaurants at all. So, so sometimes we make these rules out of wisdom, but sometimes we make them out of fear. Sometimes we make these rules because, you know, we're trying to, to do something for ourselves and we know ourselves, but sometimes we're so scared we make a rule and we expect everybody else to follow the rule. And that's what Jesus is talking about in our reading. In fact, Jesus and his ministry will have three specific critiques of the Pharisees and, and these fence laws. He'll have three critiques. I'll share those with you and then we'll close today. First, Jesus will tell us that the fence, if, you, if there's a fence law around God's law, it supposes that God's law is something we can follow and actually do. The scriptures tell us that God's law is, is it's there to help us um, in many ways, but the thing that it's not there to do is to, to give you a checklist of things that you can do to be righteous with God. God's law fundamentally, the scripture tells us, is to help us see how much we don't measure up to God's holiness. The law of God is there. I, I tell people sometimes the law of God is like the command, thou shalt bench press a thousand pounds. Right? Now, why am I telling you thou shalt press a thousand pounds? I don't think you can actually bench press a thousand pounds. Some of you are very strong. I still don't think you can do it. Um, but, but that law, it does a couple of things. It, 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 it shows you that you can't do it. Um, you might end up killing yourself if you actually try to do it. But if someone does come along and bench press a thousand pounds, you'll be very impressed. By the way, the bench press record is 1,300 pounds. I'm very impressed. <laughs> right? So, so God's law is there to say, like, here's the standard of holiness to measure up to God himself. And you and I can't do it. And if we put all these fences around the law, we're presupposing that we can actually follow God's law and do all of these things. And God, the whole point of God's law, you know, putting a fence around God's law is like, thou shalt lift a thousand pounds. And then someone says, well, I did lift a hundred pounds ten times. <laughs> it's not the same thing. So there's a sense, right, where, where when we think we can follow God's law and we can do what the Pharisees want and just obey, 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 we're missing the point. We're missing the opportunity for humility. We're missing the opportunity to know God um, and his righteousness, and we're going to miss out on Jesus, too. So that's the first critique. The second critique the Bible has about these fence laws is that they're flawed. God makes laws that are good and righteous and holy, and everyone can follow them, and everyone can struggle to follow them and fail them, um, and they don't depend on anything specific about your circumstances. They're good in all times and in all places. But these fence laws, what we find out, one of Jesus' great critiques is, is that they're really good if you're a Pharisee who has lots of money and time to think about the laws. If you're not a Pharisee, if you don't have lots of time to think about this and go to it, if you're, if you're poor, if you're vulnerable, if you're sick, um, oftentimes if you're a woman and you try to, to obey these laws, well, you don't have time, you don't have energy. Um, you may not even have a fully working body to do what, what has been requested of you. And so one of the great traditions, one of the great things that Jesus says about these oral traditions, he says, they're burdens. They're burdens. Um, you're just lopping on burdens to people that they can't actually bear. All these fence laws, all these things you're heaping onto people, you're just adding weight to their, their, their pilgrimage. And, and sooner or later, they're just going to collapse under that weight, and they're not going to get to God. 
So, so that's the second thing, right, that Jesus says, or critique that Jesus will have. And, you know, it's no wonder that when Jesus comes along and starts to pull these extra laws off of people's backs, who surrounds him? It's this beautiful moment in our reading where the, the sinners and the tax collectors and the disciples, they come together. And you have this mixture of, of you know, the, the insiders and the outsiders and the, and the people who are religious and the people who are not religious and the people who are trying to follow God and the people who don't but are kind of curious about it. It's this beautiful moment. And Jesus says, yes, like this is my ministry. I want them to come. I'm the shepherd who goes after lost sheep. I'm the doctor looking for sick people to cure. And here they are. And I wouldn't get to them with all of these other fence laws in place. Third thing. Jesus says, um, the Bible tells us that the fence rules, are, they're, they're fundamentally rooted in a confusion about how God works. And this is the biggest frustration Jesus has with the Pharisees, because the law of God, it's meant to facilitate a peaceful community to give people the opportunity to love their neighbors. That's really all it's about, um, at the core of it. Um, right? We see that, that, that God does it perfectly, but even in our own imperfection, if we follow the law, kind of like stoplights, stoplights are great. We've all run a stoplight, run a yellow light, run a red light every now and then. But, but they're really great because they make our roads safer significantly, and that's the way it is with God's law as well. God's law is meant to facilitate this peaceful community, and so later on in Mark, Jesus is going to say that, that, that this is really the second most important commandment, is to love your neighbor. It's to love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. But, but these, 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 the Pharisees understood this law, and they said, this is so terrifying. They saw it as a law of damnation and rejection. They were con- so concerned about their own status before God and making these rules and following these rules, they had tunnel vision, and they were so worried about themselves, they had no time to think or love or care about their neighbors. God's law is set up so that... God's law was set up so that we have space to do exactly what the Pharisees are not doing, right? Um, This is the the heart of the Good Samaritan parable, if you're familiar with it, right? The law of God exists, and you have people who are devout followers of the law of God who walk by an injured man, but but, but for whatever reason, the person who, who doesn't have that same fixation with the oral traditions and the rules, he's the one who goes to help out the man who's been beaten and left half dead on the side of the road. So that's why Jesus responds in our reading five times to these, 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 these various rules. Um, he responds to the Pharisees and their anger and their, their grief. Well, Jesus has the anger and grief to their hardness of heart. He says, this is so far removed from God's vision of what the world is supposed to be. These bonus rules are so far removed from the kingdom of God. We've got to tear down this fence. We've got to tear down the fence. Um, they've missed the point of God's law. They've missed the point of Jesus' ministry. Their piety is wasted. And they're working against God's good pleasure by creating rules that burden God's people. Right? It's, it's their fear and their judgment of God that backfires on them because the way they're currently behaving will bring about the judgment of God on them. Their obsession with the rules and following the rules turns them into people who misunderstand the rules and do the wrong thing and therefore break the rules and God's judgment comes. And that's the danger of these fence laws. I wonder if you remember how Footloose actually ends. Um, I don't know that you do. You do. For whatever reason, church crowds don't like Footloose. I think dancing's great. Either way. But here's how it ends. Here's how it ends. The moment the breakthrough happens for the Reverend Shaw, it comes from Kevin Bacon reading the Bible. 
um, the town has having a meeting. They're trying to, to get the people together and, and, and end the dancing band and the rock and roll music band. And Kevin Bacon, he comes up and he, he makes this impassioned plea before the town. He talks about what dancing is. But then to the Reverend Shaw, he reads from the Psalms about how we sing to the song, Lord a new song and we praise him with our dance. And then he, he quotes um, from Samuel about Dan, King David. He's returning the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem after it being so far away for a number of years and how King David danced in praise and worship of God. And how in Ecclesiastes it says there's a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. And, and as he's sharing from the Bible and he's talking to this minister who's so wounded and he's so hardened, his heart begins to break a little bit because this kid is, is going the extra mile to preach and sell him not the rules, but God's word in and of itself. Not the fence laws, but the actual word of God come to this minister. And that's the breakthrough moment. That's the moment where you see something changes. He still votes against the music. He still uh, votes against it. But by the end of the movie, you see that he becomes someone different. And at the end of the movie, as the kids organize their own prom in a grain barn outside the town limits where they can't be controlled by the adults, um, we find the Reverend Shaw and his wife dancing for the first time in years, um, quietly observing the, the kids dancing in their own prom and getting in a little dance themselves. Why can they do that? Why can they do that? Well, because they actually went to the Word of God and not the rules around the Word of God. They went and, and, and saw a God who actually is okay with dancing and that dancing was a, a perfectly good thing. And they realized, well, maybe we've, maybe we've missed the point. Maybe we've missed the point. And so that's what our reading is about today, right? Jesus is coming to the Pharisees to preach good news and they just don't listen, they don't hear it. Because, I mean, even the notoriously angry preacher from Footloose has more heart and more repentance than these Pharisees, right? Because if the Pharisees had listened to Jesus' teaching, they've given them the time of day, they would have known that God's love, it's not a prize to be won by following the rules. It's not. God's law is not a law to be, uh, a thing to be won, a prize. It's a gift. It's a gift that comes from humility and repentance. Um, if the Pharisees had listened to Jesus, they would have been much more outwardly focused, trusting in God's promise of salvation for themselves, right? They would have known that they were okay before God. They didn't have to perform, make all these rules. They wouldn't be so afraid. And so they could actually get out of their tunnel vision and help other people, which is what God wanted in the first place. They could stop worrying about themselves. They, you know, what's the old airline adage? They put on their own mask. Their mask is already on, so they can help other people put their masks on. Uh, and, and if they had listened, they would have seen that Jesus himself is the fulfillment of God's law. He is the one who's following God's law in the way it was meant to be, in a way that no one has ever done and no one will ever do again. And they would have seen someone who took the law more seriously than they did, who understood it better than they did, and acted it out and fulfilled it better than they ever could. But they didn't. And as Jesus takes the moral authority of the Pharisees, he takes authority over them, as he demotes their oral tradition from the status of being equal to God's law to being a wisdom thing you do sometimes. As Jesus does this, um, well, the Pharisees, they don't, they, 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 they take it personally. And they partner with the Herodians at the end of our reading, the Herodians, people who believed very differently about the politics of their nation, to plot for Jesus' death. So what's the takeaway, friends? It's this. 
if you know that God is gracious and you know that God has authority over everything, you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to control others. Surely both of these endeavors will backfire if you try. Um, we don't, we, 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 we will be, find ourselves alienated from God and alienated from others if we view our relationship with them as having to be good enough. That is the truth. Instead, when we watch someone else bench press the thousand pound barbell of God's law and we can celebrate the accomplishment that they achieved that we never could, word has it that if that ever happens, there'll be a great party to celebrate the accomplishment there. And I'm told at that party, they'll be dancing. In Jesus' name, amen. Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania.